I think it's Miles Monroe that says, self-development demands self-discipline. If you want to be godly, you'll have to discipline yourself. Don't try to discipline. We try to get people to be what we are not even willing to be. Like, like what point is it for me to tell you to get in good physical condition? Look at my, I, I need to go and work out first. If you can't discipline yourself, you're in no position to impose disciplinary measure on people. So the scripture says, work on you. What would you do if you went to the gym and your gym, in, listen, we can do this thing because we are friends. And your gym instructor was Brother Way, bro, not Brother Way, brother, Pastor Ray. Imagine, imagine you walked into the gym to work out and you look, who is the gym instructor? And you see Pastor Ray standing in front of you. you you'd say probably to yourself, this is the wrong gym. Because you want to see what you want to become. You want a vision of what you want to look like. And that, if, that is why if I were your dream instructor, you wouldn't stay. Because physically, I'm not a picture of your preferred future in terms of your physical conditioning. I've never seen an overweight, out of shape, gym instructor. Discipline yourself for godliness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we bless you, Lord. And we pray in the name of Jesus this morning that by your Holy Spirit, you'll open our eyes to see your truth, open our ears to hear your voice, open our minds to understand your word, and our hearts to receive everything you have in store for us. Lord, we want to be more than mere hearers of your word, but doers also. We pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, someone this morning will feel strong conviction, surrender their lives to you, come to know you as Lord and Savior. Because the whole purpose of church is not just to feel good, it is to be transformed. Transform us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. I don't know um, if you have ever gone to, you have kids, and if you have kids, you, you normally go into stores and purchase toys. And one of my pet peeves in purchasing toys is when I purchase it and I get home and I begin to uh, put it together, only to realize that for it to work, it needs batteries and I didn't get any batteries. And the, the thing is that if, if it needs like the 9-volt batteries, which are the square ones, you know you're salt because you're not going to have any of those in your house. So it's like you feel so down and the kids, all the excitement is gone. I like shopping where when you buy the stuff, it says batteries included. Right? Batteries included. Uh, last week when we spoke about Godliness, we said that, we looked at the scripture that says, they have a form of godliness denying the power thereof. And, and 
having a form of godliness and denying the power thereof is like buying a toy without the batteries. The truth is, godliness comes with power included. In the same way the toy comes with battery included. We have all the power to be godly. So the goal of this message this morning on the means of godliness is to stress the importance of exercising our spiritual lives the way some people exercise their bodies to get in shape. And to explain the benefits of disciplining ourselves spiritually and abiding in the presence of Jesus. We'll explain the surpassing value of exercising ourselves towards godliness over simply using all our effort to improve our physical bodies. This message will also call Christians to the highest standard of pursuing godliness for spiritual gain to their benefit and to God's glory. That's the whole idea. That at the end of it, we'll become more concerned with our spiritual health than our physical health. We'll be more concerned with our spiritual appearance more so than our physical appearance. Now let me ask you, I mean, um, if you're a female and, and this time works, so you just put your hand up and then you take them down. If it took you uh, uh, over 30 minutes to get ready this morning, and you're a female, put your hand up. Over 30 minutes. All right? Over one hour, anybody? Over one hour, I took you. I'm talking from beginning to end. I'm talking the mo up to the point you got in the car. Did it take you more than an hour? Anyone surpass an hour? Don't be ashamed. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. We have, we have one. I mean, I have one more. I have one more right there. All right, all right, all right. All right. I see my wife putting up her hand. I, I haven't reached her category yet. You know, I'm, that's like, <laughs> that's like the over two hours category, right? I'll say that. But so let me get to you now, dear. Um, anybody over two hours? <laughs> right, the point I'm making with all of this is on a daily basis, we sp well, ladies spend um, minimum an hour to get themselves ready. I visited a member of the church, a male. And um, a next member was there waiting on him. And I mean, and, 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 and they were saying, I need to call him. Because he has a consistent habit of taking hours to get ready. So when, when he came out and I said, brethren, what's going on? I said, well, I had to shave, I had to cover my hair, I had to all of these things. So I said, oh, but, but there's a lot of time taken in preparing our physical beings when we are going out. But do you know we don't invest the same amount of time to take care of our spiritual lives on a daily basis? If you should stop and think about how many hours you invest in your physical body daily, you'd realize that majority of your time is spent doing that more so than your spiritual health. And you know what is more important? It's not your physical life. It is our spiritual lives. So what are we going to do about it? Let me say this to you, that everyone who has accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior 
have been transformed out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. It is a complete transfer, transformation, a complete move. It's like a migration. You're in a different place. And so recently one of the, 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 the companies that provide uh, internet and stuff, they have a migration uh, thing that is going on. And in the community that I live, uh, a few weeks, I saw them putting up the new fiber optic cables, and then all of a sudden, the wires disappeared. Like the wires of the old cable disappeared. So no one had a choice but to migrate. I, I, I don't know how, but it, they, the moment they put up the fiber optic, the old service wires got missing. Like, and we had no service. So you had a choice. Do you wait until the old service is repaired? Or do you migrate? And so we migrated to the new platform. And here's the thing. The old platform is obsolete. It, they won't even, they will tell you that you can't get that again. It means that you're on a completely new platform. You have transferred from the old to the new. This is what happens when you get saved. The old is past. The new has come. You're in a new place with a new master, with a new life. It's not your old life that is made better. You have a new life. A lot of us think like when we get saved, our old life gets fixed up. No. We are a new creature. All things have passed and all things have become new. You have been transferred from a place of spiritual impoverishment to a place of spiritual riches. You know the scripture says... Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. That's speaking about uh, um, who, who more, all of those scriptures in the Beatitudes are speaking about our spiritual state. In fact, a lot of us were spiritually bankrupt. We were without a thing. Uh, but when we get saved, you know, um, we, we get spiritually rich. Not because of what we have done, but because of what Christ has done for us. You have, you have been moved from the kingdom of Satan... And have been seated at the right hand of Jesus in, in heavenly places in the spiritual realm. You may be asking, Pastor, how can this be? Yes, I have a position in Christ at the throne of God. Because I'm in Christ. If any man be in Christ, I am in Christ and Christ sits at the right hand of God the Father. So when I get saved, I am in Christ. So where he is, I am with him. He's at the right hand of the Father, I'm there. But I'm here physically on earth. All of us know the struggles that it is to live the worldly life. To, to, to leave the worldly life behind and partake of the new spiritual realities afforded to us. And that is the problem. How do I leave all that I knew in the past? To live in this new life. Right? How do I leave all my Jamaican, my Jamaicanese, if I migrate to the United States? I have to change my wardrobe. If I leave Jamaica in the summer and I go to the States in the winter, I have to change my wardrobe. Right? I have to change how I live. How I operate. 
All right? I have to know now that how, how cable works in Jamaica is not how cable TV works in the States. A little bit more expensive. To know that you drive on a different side of the road. I cannot go there and try to drive on the left-hand side of the road a better way. I have to leave all the practices of my former country there and live a new life in a new place or else I'll never properly adjust. Have you ever heard about people who are homesick? What happens to them is that they long for the place that they once lived and they want to go back there because somehow they can't adjust to their new place. That is what happens spiritually with many of us. We, we, have, we have been transferred from darkness to light, but we still want to carry our dark side with us. And it can't work. And every time we try to take something from our dark side into the light, the citizens over here say no. That's not acceptable over here. That's for the dark side. This is the light side. But we have lived so long on the dark side. We have just moved over here. That until our entire mindset changes. We still have a yearning for the dark side. That is why some of us still go to party and, and, and boogie down. Because every now and then the dark side calls you. You get homesick. You miss the good old days. That is why sometimes your mind tell you, listen, if I weren't in the light, you know, you know I would be enjoying my dark sidedness. In fact, we all know what it is to bring the old life into the new reality. Today we have Jesus within us. The goal of this reality is simply this, is the production of godliness in the life of, of God's children. While we were transferred, we are transferred because the goal of this reality is the production of godliness in the life of God's children. God wants us to stay in the light and to be godly. So the whole point of salvation, the whole point of the salvation experience is to make us godly men and women. That is the purpose of salvation. The whole purpose of salvation is that we will be like God. That's it. It is not to become more churchified. It is not to become more religious. It is to become like Christ. The purpose of your salvation is to be like a new master. That's it. It's very simple. Salvation is not complicated. Let me tell you a little bit about God's pharmacy. The way the Trinity of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit works can be illustrated by working, by the workings of a pharmacy. So God is the manufacturer who has produced all the medication we need to cure the ungodliness within us. Jesus is the doctor, the great physician. Who knows what is wrong and knows what to prescribe from God's pharmacy to bring about the healing 
of the malady of ungodliness. But we also need a pharmacist to fill the doctor's prescription so we can apply the medicine to heal the ungodliness. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit to deliver what Jesus has prescribed. Jesus said, if we abide in him and his word abides in us, we will experience the healing he has to offer. So when Jesus calls in the prescription and the pharmacist fills it, that prescription has within it the power we need to get well. But the power in the prescription is only realized in me when I take the medicine that was prescribed. Do you follow the flow? You have to take the medication that was prescribed. God knows what you need. The Holy Spirit brings it and it's in you. But you have to take the medication. So we have defined godliness as a lifestyle consistent with the character of God. And godly or godlessness or ungodliness is a lifestyle inconsistent with the character of God. If your lifestyle is inconsistent with the character of God, you're ungodly. If your lifestyle is consistent with the character of God, you are godly. Simple, right? Godliness does not mean perfection, though. But it does mean consistency. I'm not perfect, but I must be consistent. I hope to be perfect one day. You hope to be perfect. But godliness is not that we are perfect. It's that we are consistently obedient to God. Consistently following the Holy Spirit. Consistently being led by the Holy Spirit. Consistently spending time in God's presence. Consistently meeting with God's people. Consistently studying God's word. Consistently worshiping God. Consistently giving. Consistently praying. Consistently fasting. That's the godly life. Nobody works out once a year and is in good physical condition. Or twice. Are three times. You check the persons who you see in good physical condition. And they will tell you they work out every day. Because it is a consistent discipline. But somehow we believe we can pray when we feel like. We can read the Bible if we feel like. We go to church when we want to. And yet be godly. We must be consistent. It means that it becomes norm, normative for us to pursue godliness and to recognize when we are not godly. If you are consistent, it will be normal for you to pursue godliness. But not only that, you will know when you are not being godly. And if you don't know when you are not being godly, 
you're ungodly. If the Holy Spirit is not pointing out to you that what you're doing is ungodly, it's because you're ungodly. Because if you are godly, you'd hear and feel and sense the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Paul says in 1 Timothy 4 that if you want to be godly, you must discipline yourself. A lot of people watch the pastor. They watch the church brother. They watch the discipline of the church sister. But they are not watching their own discipline. Come on, just look at somebody and we have on your mask. Point at them and say, watch yourself. Yeah, that's, that's what you do. If some of us would do that, we'd be better off. You know what we keep doing? We're looking at how this person is off. We can see everyone who is off except us. You need to watch yourself. Let me say it again. The scripture says, discipline yourself. The person you need to discipline is not me. Discipline yourself. Don't discipline your husband. And don't discipline your wife. Discipline yourself. Don't get up and say, honey, you can't read a little Bible sometime, you know. You can't pray a little sometime, you know. Lord, you just God. No, no, no. Discipline yourself. Because one thing we can't do is give people godly desire. That is why I tell people, you're dating somebody and say, what if them get saved because they're my you talk? That will never happen. Because we can't give the Holy Spirit to people. That's God's work. Our job is not to be God. Our job is to discipline ourselves. In fact, the word for discipline is, um, in the Greek, is a word where we get gymnasium from. So where you see the scripture says, discipline yourself, is the same word where we get gymnasium from. You go to a gym to work out and get in shape. You don't go to a gym to create muscles. Do you know that? But to build the muscles you already have. Amen? When you go to the gym, you go to the gym to build the muscles you already have. Not to create them. In the same way when the scripture is speaking about discipline for godliness, it is saying that you are already godly. So build on it. You're not creating it. You're building on it. You already have it. So since it means discipline, we have to come to associate it with physical fitness. But, but in the Bible, the word is used for spiritual discipline. The, that word gymnasium, spiritual discipline. The gym is designed to develop the physical attributes you already possess. You don't go to the gym and get a six-pack. Those muscles were there. They just had a lot of fat pack on them. And by working out, you get out the fat pack and you put on a flat pack. That's how it works. It's not like, oh my God, where are these? You already had them. You just couldn't see them because other stuff was covering them. You were getting rid of the seed that so easily beset you, you know. <laughs> That's it. 
<laughs> the reality is that a lot of times you don't want to work out. But your health is more important than, feel, than your feelings. So you must make what I call a priority decision. If you are spiritual, and I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to insult anyone, but if you are spiritually flabby, the soul is out of shape. Right? If you are physically flabby, people will say you are out of shape. And in the same way, if you are spiritually flabby, it means that your soul is out of shape. How do you know your soul is out of shape? If ungodliness rules, it is because you are out of shape. If you find that your thoughts are ungodly, your ways are un ungodly, your attitudes, your behavior, your speech is ungodly, it is saying that you're out of shape spiritually. One thing that is true about physical exercise, that there is a big difference between intending to do it and actually doing it. The, the, the funny thing with physical exercise is that if you have good intention, you don't get a six-pack. Good intention has never helped anybody to lose weight. Listen, if good intention could get you in good physical condition, listen, I've, I'd be mean and lean, I'm telling you. I've had much good intention about physical exercise, but nothing changes until I start doing physical exercise exercise. We wake up intending to go to the gym, but the thoughts of that extra 15 minutes in bed overrules our desires to get in shape. Your workout regime for godliness has to go beyond good intention. It is going to require a decision to engage in a workout program to get rid of the flab in your soul. You have to make a decision. That in the same way, if I wanted to be in good physical condition, I have to go to the gym and work out consistently. In the same way, if I want to be in good spiritual condition, I have to work out regularly. That is why churches have prayer meetings. Because they want you to come to the gymnasium and work out. That is why they have Bible studies. That is why they have cell group meetings. That is why they have ministry for you to be engaged in. Why? Because it is very important that you work out. But church, unfortunately, most Christians are satisfied with only one weekly workout on Sunday morning. The primary workout day is for the believer is Sunday morning. And many of us, we, 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 we hang up, we, we roll up our exercise mats, we put them down, and we, 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 we take out our, our, our shoe that we're walking, and we put them up, and we wait until Sunday again. And we wonder why we are not where we need to be. But if, the only, but if they only work out spiritually once a week, then the rest of the week do the opposite, they have wasted their once-a-week workout session. It happens in physical exercise. It happens in spiritual exercise. Let, let me tell you how it works. And that is why sometimes people don't feel anything in church. Tell you what that means. When I get up, the first day you go to the exercise or to the football field, your muscles feel sore the next day. Because your body is not used to it yet. And they will say to you, no. 
You have to keep coming because the more you do it, is the less sore you're going to feel in your muscles because your body is now getting used to it. You cannot believe that if you work out on Sunday mornings, it's going to help you. If that is your only time of working out spiritually. You have to discipline yourself. You have to be, be at it on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday. That is why it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. It's not coming to the event. It's not coming to the boot camp on a Sunday. It is a lifestyle. And the problem is that we have not made godliness a lifestyle. We have made it an event. And the event is, when is the next church meeting? Because at the next church meeting, I'm going to show how godly I am. Wait until it's prayer time. Wait until it's question time. I have a question. I have a response. Listen, uh, it, it, it's now that I'm ready to bust my scriptures. I want to bust my verse. I want to release my verse. I want, I want all of that. We wait on the events instead of making it a lifestyle. Lifestyle. What most of us are doing is going to a spiritual workout session on Sunday and then going to the donut shop on Monday. Canceling out whatever workout routine we did on Sunday. Turning it into merely a religious exercise. That's what church has become. A religious exercise. And so people are coming to the gym, but they are not being godly. You have to discipline yourself. Because godliness is much more than that. So you must use your membership in Christ to develop godliness. Because it is possible to have a membership without using the benefits of that membership. Uh, I have a membership for, um, I think it's called Pro Golf. It's in Mansfield, Texas or Dallas, wherever you want to call it, right? You go there and you play you hit the golf ball. Bam! And you hit it in, all the way down. I mean, I went there and all of these guys said that they were pro golfers, brother Kevin, and that they, play, they go there regularly. I just gave them some West Indies cricket. I said, well, <laughs> never played golf yet. But I used to play a lot of cricket. Brian Lara. Straight drive. <laughs> and they were all wondering, how is he doing it? Cricket, man. If you're, if you're good at cricket, right? So I have... And they have all kind of things that they send me all of these promos and stuff. But I'm not benefiting from the membership. You can have membership and not enjoy the benefits of that membership. Amen? It's just like having a membership for a gym. If you never go there, you're not getting the benefits. Have you ever signed up for something and you have the membership card and you're not benefiting from it? When you accepted Jesus Christ, you got a membership that gave you access to his spiritual gymnasium for the purpose of exercising godliness. Question is, are you using your membership? This workout church is not to create godliness, but to develop the godliness you already possess. By the virtue of your salvation. Remember, I am not trying to create. You are not trying to create godliness. But if we are saved, we have been transferred. Therefore, we are godly. And what is happening now is that we need to develop the godliness that we already possess. 
Second Peter 1 verse 3 says, For his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. God has given you everything you need to develop in godliness. You don't have to be struggling in that area of your life because God has given you by his divine power everything you need. You don't have to be struggling with reading the Bible. You don't have to be struggling with your prior life. You don't have to be struggling with worship. You can be just as passionate as anyone else because God has given you the power that you need to do it. You have it. It doesn't need to be created. It just needs to be worked on. Because it's already there. You already have a good shape. You just got out of shape. So you don't have to make a new shape. You just have to develop the shape that you already have. Amen? Even though you're converted, your soul is living in the flesh. Which still produces ungodly thinking, appetites, and actions that need cleansing. Amen? We are saved, but our souls are still living in the flesh. Don't even know this is about smog, but we are told that Beijing, um, China has... A major smog problem that during the day it looks like night. The smog is so thick in the city that they put up what a big screen um, like those in other cities like New York. So people can see a picture of the sun rising. Right? So that's what they have to do. It, it's, such smog is there that they have to put up a big screen so that people can actually see the sun rising to know when it's daytime. Alright? So the sun rises, but the people in Beijing can't see it. Because of all the junk in the air. We have so much junk in the air that we don't see the S-O-N rising. The sun rising. We don't see Jesus rising as a centerpiece of life. He's being camouflaged by the smog of ungodliness. By our old ways of thinking and acting. The answer is to clear up the smog so our view of the sun becomes clear. Right? You have to clear up the smog. It's like it's like your white like like if you travel out in the countries or you go through the highway, um there are times when the it gets very foggy. And in fact they have a sign that says um heavy fog in parts of the of the highway here. And and you have to make sure you turn on your fog lights and uh you you have your, your wipers moving because it looks like darkness, but it's actually bright. You know what is funny? That it's not real. It's almost like if you look at it, you think like if I drive into it, it could stop me. That's so heavy. But as you're going through it, you realize that, hold on, it's not real. And you could just pass it and you see bright, like, like the next spot could be so bright. All that is happening is that place is also bright. It's just that the fog is hiding it. I'm saying to you that what happens with us is that we can't see the sun 
Jesus as a centerpiece of her life because of all the, the fog or the smog of ungodliness. And that needs to be cleared up in our lives so we can see. The reason so many Christians stay defeated for so long is that their souls are out of shape. Spiritual fitness needs to take priority over physical fitness. Physical exercise is, is profitable for a little while, but godliness is profitable for now and for eternity. So if you're working your body out more than you're working your soul out, you have your priorities mixed up. If you're spending more time, and you're saying, I'm not just talking about going to a gym. If you're spending more time in your days taking care of your physical body than you're taking care of your spiritual body, your priorities are wrong. Bodily exercise may affect the quality of your life, but it will not affect the quantity of your life. That is, you will still die at God's appointed time. Let me tell you something. No matter how fit you get, when God said time, your six-pack have nothing to do with it. You can eat all the natural food you want and take out every oil out of your diet and take out every salt out of your diet and be idle Rastafari. When God says time, you're gone. Hey, you need to eat healthy and all of those things. But when time comes, time, time comes. So bless it and eat it. So my diet is, my, my, my only thing with diet is, too much of one thing, good for nothing. But a little salt is good. A little oil is good. A little sugar is good. A little Pepsi is good. A little water is good. A little bun is good. A little of everything is good. But too much of one thing, good for nothing. Because this church, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how often you exercise. When God says time out, it is time out. Exercising godliness means practicing the presence of Jesus. Practice in the presence of Jesus. The gym you need to attend to develop your godliness muscles is Jesus' gym. Going to explain practice in the presence. Then we're going to close. Jesus is the source of all godliness. Jesus' indwelling presence in us is the secret of godliness. That's a secret to godliness. Colossians 1.27 says, To whom God willed to make known what the wealth of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles is. The mystery that is Christ in you, the hope of glory. When we say practice the presence, I'm not talking about looking for the presence. It's knowing that the presence is in you. Too many people are trying to get into the presence and not acknowledging that the presence is in them. Say that again. Everybody wants to get in and ignore that the presence is already in them. We will even disrespect people to get into presence. 
not realizing that we have grieved the presence in us. Let me say it again. Let me, let me say it a different way. Many times we are grieving the presence in us in our effort to get into the presence that we talk about. Oh, I want to get into the presence of the Lord. But we have grieved the presence of God in us because we have not forgiven. We have not been kind. We have not been gentle. We have not been self-controlled. We have not been obedient. And so we have grieved the presence in us. Yet we are trying to worship our way into some other presence. Uh, you know the story of Lone Ranger? Um, if you're young, you may not know it. But many of us grew up watching that television series, The Lone Ranger. And we all admired Silver, um, The Lone Ranger, beautiful horse. Um, you learn early how the Lone Ranger got silver. He was a Texas Ranger who got ambushed with other Rangers and left for dead. But he was saved by Tonto. And while the Lone Ranger was recovering in a canyon, he saw silver, a wild stallion. And so the Lone Ranger roped silver and tried to ride him, but get, um, getting bucked off or kicked off. But he rode silver until the horse was tamed, and came to understand that he had a new master. Right? So if you really want to be godly, give God the opportunity to ride your back. Don't buck him off. So pray, ride me, King Jesus. Ride me in this situation, in this crisis, on this job, with my money, until I come under your lordship and become useful to you. The horse got tamed. Because the rider stayed on. And he stopped kicking. Some of us have been kicking off Jesus. You understand me? It's like we, we're fighting Jesus. We're pushing him away. But yet we want to be godly. The more time you spend exercising godliness, the more you will see changes. I'm telling you, you want to see real change in your life? Start practicing and exercising godliness. It will happen. When you exercise godliness, your spiritual muscles will begin to grow. Another benefit is that the clothes of the old godly ways won't fit anymore. When you start working out, you have even your wardrobe train. The old clothes don't fit you. The old things go away. Because all of a sudden, I, I saw a couple of, of, of my men. I saw one of them. He's here this morning. So let me look over this side, Brother Kevin, because it's not you. But, but he's working out, and I'm saying to him, my brother, don't you see that those clothes um, look like they're going to burst. They look like they're squeezing you. Be careful now, because you, you understand me? We can't practice no CPR in church, brother. But that's, that, but that's because <laughs> he's working out. What, what is happening is that as he's getting in better shape physically, some of the stuff that used to be in his past will no longer be because they don't fit anymore. In a spiritual sense, when you start working out in godliness, some of the things of your past will not fit anymore. Listen, if you just do that, you see some of the stuff that we're trying not to do, if you just pursue godliness, you'll find that you have no appetite for them again. It's just like, listen, when, when, 
when if you have lived overseas for any period of time, you know that after a while you lose your appetite for certain things, Jamaican. Because you're in a new place and after a while it just goes away. If you have changed parish, maybe the parish that you lived in, there are certain things that you really enjoy and you thought like, how can I not have this as a regular fixture? Listen, for me, they used to have this thing called fever grass and coal bush. And I always felt like, boy, I will love fever grass. But I will, like, anywhere I go, I want to pull up some fever grass and plant it. Listen, can I, it's still good. But you know how long I have not had fever grass? I can't tell when last I've seen the, the fever grass. They have it in some bug business. That is not real fever grass. That, that is not grass. That is fever bug. <laughs> I'm talking about <laughs> or fever sachet. But, but I'm talking about whatever you want. I'm talking about the grass that you cut, you wash, and you put in the pot, and you boil it, and you smell it. But because I have not been around it for so long, if I get it, that's fine. But I don't need it because I've grown past it. This is what happened with physical exercise. Listen, because I wasn't trying not to drink it. I just have not been around it for so long pursuing coffee that now I have no desire for fever grass. So if you pursue godliness, you'll find that you don't have a desire for certain things. You weren't even trying to stop them. But because you're pursuing God, all of a sudden you have no appetite for them. So if you want to grow more, get a workout partner. Because you can't do it alone. I, I've never seen a person get in good physical condition in the gym without a workout partner. Because they say you need somebody to spot you. Right? Meaning, when the weights get heavy, they are there to help you. Pull it up. They are there to encourage you. When you say you want to do 10 and you get 8 and say you can't bother, they say, no man, you can do, you can, you can do one more. You can do one more. You can, you can do one more. Push! You can do one more, one more, one more, one more. Alright, last one, last one. Alright, give me one more. I'll see you some more. Alright, last one this time. Last one this time. One more, one more, one more. Before you know it, you're supposed to do 10, and you did 20. So, if you want to grow, get a workout partner. And as you help someone else grow in godliness, you will grow. This is why it is good. If you're a male, connect to a male in the church, man. Who's going to help you grow? And, uh, because, listen, if you are challenging people, you're also challenging you. So, we are growing together. You cannot, finally, you cannot have God's blessing without cultivating godliness. And too many Christians come to church primarily to get a blessing. They don't really want to get the blesser. They want to get the blessing. They don't want godliness. They just want healing. They don't want godliness. They just want a job. They don't want godliness. They just want to feel better. They don't, want, they don't want godliness. They just want the blessing and not the blesser. The problem is that people want to be blessed, but they don't equally want to be godly. So my question to you this morning, 
is what do you really want? Do you really want blessing more than you want to be godly? Or do you desire to be godly more than you want the blessing? See, both are important. But which one is more important in your own life? You see, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be blessed. But when we disconnect blessing from godliness, we're not asking God for something. We are asking God for something. He's not free to give. God cannot bless you without you wanting to be godly. Let me say it another way. Only the godly can experience the blessing of God. No, other things can happen in your life. But when I'm talking about the godly blessings, the godly blessings only go to the godly. I know you think you are blessed, but I always tell people that there are many things that we can get on our own without God. There are a lot of things we accomplish and it has nothing to do with God. It has nothing to do with God's blessing. It has to do with human effort. There's a lot that human effort can accomplish. Do you remember the Tower of Babel? Or Babel? What human effort did? It wasn't the blessing of God. People can build high, wide and far without God. But here is the deal. There are some things that no matter how small they are, when God gives them to you or brings them into your life, it is it satisfy more than the millions others have or the masses that other people have. That's the joy of the blessing of the Lord. It adds no sorrow to it. There are people who are in emotional, mental misery because of what they have. When God blesses you, the righteous will not be forsaken. And your seed will not beg bread. Because godliness is the foundation of blessing. If God is in it, there's a blessing in it. So let us close this morning. You need to spend more time in the soul gym than in the body gym. And Jesus is the dispenser of godliness. And Jesus is in you. I want you to remember that the presence is in you. When people ask you why the Holy Spirit not moving in the church, you say to them, don't you see me walking? Every time I move, the Spirit moves because the Spirit is in me. Tell them that I'm, I'm the vessel of the Lord and God is in me. And where I go, he goes with me because he's in me. In fact, he's carrying me. Remember, the workout isn't to make you godly. It is to develop the godliness you already have. Like in the body, you already have a heart. And muscle, you're working out something that already exists when you exercise godliness. Listen, I want you to just bow your head with me and, and close your eyes this morning. Because the truth is, the truth is, church, that I, I think we have become more caught up in our physical lives than our spiritual lives. And, and Sunday is our thing. And we have made godliness an event more than a lifestyle. 
And I've been going through this series. God has been just challenging me to challenge all of us to, to just move to a new place, to, to move to a place where the pursuit of our life is to be godly. To, to, that when we go to work tomorrow, that's what it is. That on Tuesday, godliness will be, we, be what it is. That it won't be until next week Sunday that I get back at this. I think that God is, is, is bringing us to that place. And why? Because there's so much that God wants to do in your life and in my life. But our muscles are not strong enough to carry it. And he's saying, listen, just, just develop the muscles. Come to the gym often. Know that I'm in you. You have the power. I know you have been battling a particular sin. He says, I have the power. I've given you the power. You don't have to struggle. Because his divine power has give it, given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. So there's a, there's a song that we did as teenagers. It, it said, it is my desire to honor you. It says, Lord, I give you my heart, give you my soul, and I live for you alone. That's, that's godliness right there. So, I want to pray for you this morning. And my prayer for you is that we will exercise godliness every day of our lives. That's discipline in Bible reading, in praying, in fellowship, in worship. It's a lifestyle, it's our attitude. So if you have that desire, say, you know what? I know I need to be working out spiritually a whole lot more than I'm doing right now. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet with me. We're going to sing this song in worship to God. And we're going to pray. Come on, just lift your hands as you stand to your feet this morning. This is about godliness. Come on, this is my desire. This is my Come on, just lift your hands and worship him this morning. To honor you. Say, Lord, with all my heart. Lord, with all my heart, I worship you. within me, Jesus.
just tell him, Lord, I give you my heart. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone, God. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake. with all the fog or the smog. I thank you, Lord God, that you'll show them how to clear the path so you can be the centerpiece of their lives again. That the light will shine on them. That they will see the rising of the S.O. and the Son of God. We thank you, Lord God, that beginning today, our spiritual muscles will be built stronger so we can carry the weight of your blessing on your favor. God, I pray today that our spiritual muscles will be so developed that we can carry the weight of your favor, the weight of your blessing, and the weight of your glory. Come on, just declare and say, Lord, I commit to getting into good spiritual shape and staying in shape. I will discipline myself 
in godliness. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Come on, clap your hands to Jesus. wonderful wonderful rest of the day and we will see you on tuesday at house of prayer wednesday at prayer thursday at bible study